welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to I See You. This is our fourth storybook series, and if you haven't listened to a storybook series before, storybook series episodes are bonus episodes, and I just release them basically whenever I want. (laughs) I usually invite a friend on, and they bring their own storybook, and we find two storybooks and highlight them that teach compassion and connection, because as a teacher, at least, and as a parent, story time's always been my favorite, and I feel like you can learn a lot of lessons, even as adults, from storybooks. Today, we are ecstatic to have Anissa Woods with us. Hi, Anissa. Hi, Julie. (laughs) Anissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm from Utah. Julie and I actually grew up together, so I've known her from high school. We didn't hang out a ton because she was... We weren't super, whatever. I was about to say that. She was too cool. No, that is not true. You were just saying that because. No, I'm not. She was student council cool, which is the coolest. You were soccer cool, which was cooler. (laughs) Well, that's how Julie and I know each other. Now destiny has brought us together. And our kids are about the same age, so we get to hang out, have them play together. Yeah, it's kind of fun. You should all do that. You should all go reconnect with old high school people, even if you weren't tight in high school. Yeah, especially if you both moved back to your hometown again. (laughs) (laughs) And need someone to hang out with. Yeah, that's connection right there. I have two kids. I'm married. I've known my husband pretty much almost my whole life. I've known him since I was like 12-ish. So we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, a boy and a girl. Mostly I just hang out with them. And then I also work part-time as a pharmacist. Tell me about the book that you brought. The book I chose is called The Best Pet of All. It's by David La Rochelle. It's about this cute little boy and his mother. And he comes to her like on a Monday and asks, mom, I really want a dog. Dogs are so wonderful. And she's like, no, dogs are messy. I don't want a dog. And I feel like who hasn't been there? And then Tuesday, he comes back again and asks, mom, I really want a dog. And she once again says, no, here's my reasons why. They're just too much work. I don't want one. So he gets a little bit wiser as the week goes on. And by Thursday, he asks her, okay, if I can't have a dog, how about dragon? And you can kind of like see her thinking. And she's just like... Sure. You can have a dragon if you can find a dragon. So he gets all excited and he starts looking, you know, at the park, at the zoo, at the grocery store. And he finally ends up finding a dragon at the local drugstore. (laughs) And it's just this cute dragon. And I think that he immediately thinks that the dragon's just going to want to come home with him. But the dragon doesn't. So he has to kind of convince him and he says, well, I'll let you sleep in my bed. You know, just like you would with a dog and the dragon's not interested in that. (laughs) And then... He says, well, you can play with my toys. And that finally gets the dragon to say, okay, yeah, I'll come home with you. So the dragon comes home and he's just loud and he's messy and he cooks a lot and leaves a huge mess, won't do any chores and he eats spaghetti in the bathtub, just like the (laughs) grossest things you could think of happening, this dragon does. And the mom just gets like fed up with this dragon. So she decides to kick him out. So she starts out kind of nice being like, I want you to leave, dragon. And he's just totally ignores her, like my toddler. So that was... (laughs) The dragon does? Yeah, the the dragon. The dragon. Just like totally ignores her. And then she gets a little more aggressive and, you know, is like, you better get out of here right now. And he just gets back in the tub with his spaghetti, totally not phased. And then she starts to yell at him. Nothing. He just stays there. (laughs) So the little boy tells his mom, well, you know, I've heard that dragons are afraid of dogs. And she's like, oh... 
well, maybe we should get a dog. And he's like, yeah, great idea. <laughs> so he puts this like little help wanted sign out in his front yard that says dog wanted. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. And this cute little dog comes and the dragon sees it and freaks out and leaves. And then the last couple pages is just his mom being like, oh, like dogs are so wonderful. This is the best pet of all. And he is like, yeah, I agree, mom. <laughs> dogs are the best pet of all. That's adorable. Yeah, that's a good book. So this book really resonated with me when I first read it because it's just like a cute book and you just kind of think there's not going to be a message behind it. But as I got towards the end and realized all that had changed for this mom was her perspective. At first, she didn't want a dog. She felt like it was hard. It was terrible. And then she realized oh, this isn't that bad in comparison to having a dragon. She was actually really appreciative of the dog and thought it was the best pet of all, (laughs) like the name. That just really resonated with me because, so with my first child, perfectly healthy, beautiful little baby boy. And like four months in after he was born, I was just really pretty depressed. Not like the normal postpartum depression, like you would think of. I was mostly like angry. Like I felt like it was me against this baby. Like I was going to get him to sleep. I was going to get him to like be on my schedule, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And just like the normal being homebound as a mom and like never having experienced that before. And I just really felt like anger towards my child, which now later I'm like, oh yeah, that was clearly some postpartum depression. Then I surprisingly got pregnant with my second. Oh, I didn't know that she was surprised. Mm -hmm, She was surprised. So when my oldest one year birthday, I found out I was pregnant. So that was surprising because we had not been planning on that. And then everything was great through my pregnancy. Everything was normal. And then she was born and like immediately taken away from me. And they said, oh, she was having some breathing problems, you know, nothing that big. It progressed from that. Three weeks later, after being in the NICU for that time, we found out she had a genetic disorder called Kabuki syndrome and would be handicapped. This book really resonated with me because I remember thinking like, oh, my first child is so hard. My first child is so hard. And then after I got my second child, I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I live it up with my first child? Like she came home with oxygen and we had to feed her through a tube that went down her nose into her stomach that she would frequently vomit out and we'd have to replace. Lots of complications that came with that and being not even homebound, but like bound to her room and being with her every moment so she wouldn't vomit and aspirate and die. I just remember like reading this and thinking, Man, like just, if you can just change your perspective, you're so much happier. When she realizes in comparison to the dragon, how great the dog is, she's happy and really settled with her decision. And I feel like that's really helped me just when I'm thinking about my life and trying to find happiness and meaning. I was just thinking about when you talked about your first being angry at him when he was four months old. Looking back, do you feel like you had compassion for yourself through the process or were you just mad at yourself for feeling angry? What was that like? Definitely not compassionate towards myself in that situation. It just felt like all consuming, like this was the end of the world and there was no thought of my feelings. It was mostly just how do I get this child to be how I want to be and fit into my already rigid lifestyle. But then with my second, I definitely got so much more compassionate with myself And just realizing that when I changed my perspective, because at first when she was born, I remember it was hard for me to hang around children of the same age or close by because she couldn't sit up till she was like nine months. She couldn't do any of the normal things I was feeding her through. What eventually she got was a G-tube in her stomach. It would really upset me to have to see other healthy, happy children. And then I became more compassionate with myself and realized this isn't my fault. This isn't like some punishment that I'm receiving. And I started to look at things differently and start to just compare her with herself and her own little milestones rather than with other people. And it got so much better. 
but just me being more compassionate towards her and letting her grow and develop as she needed to and being more compassionate with myself just really helped change that and changing your perspective in general. Like for my husband, it really helped him to see situations that were worse off than ours. That didn't help me because then I felt like, yeah, life sucks for everyone. Right. <laughs> like, right. I don't feel better. I feel yeah. worse. No, I hear you. Yeah, but that really made him feel like, oh, it could be worse. I've got it really great. Just like this book talks about, he's already naturally more compassionate to himself. But for me, I felt like that did not help me. But changing my perspective and comparing her to herself and comparing my family to my own family and how they're growing and developing just made all the difference and made us a lot happier and more satisfied instead of being like oh now I'm literally homebound and bound to this room it was more like now she doesn't vomit as much and we can leave and I still (laughs) stay home because I like it and my perspective's just changed it's more enjoyable rather than being on the go all the time totally well and that's cool too because whatever lessons I learn with my kids then I try to apply it to my life so like you watching her and being willing to give her time and pace herself as she develops in the time she needs to and not compare to other kids it just makes me think as adults how we obviously compare ourselves constantly to other people. Yeah, sometimes when I think about her and I would always say to myself, like, okay, I'm just going to try to help her get to her best potential. And then I've thought, as I've said that to myself so many times, I've extrapolated that and been like, why don't I feel that way about myself and about my other child? I just want them to be the best that they can be. I just want me to be the best that I can be. That you can be. But I never give myself that compassion. I'm I'm getting better at it. It's just easy to do when your child's clearly not going to go to Harvard. You know, I'm like, I need to be more compassionate towards others in my life and just be like, I want to help them reach their potential, whatever that may be. For sure. Super cool. I like that book. I want to own that book now. Yeah. The best pet of all. This book that I chose is called The Crayon Box That Talked. And what's interesting is I've read this book so many times. I was actually first given it when I was teaching. I wasn't teaching school yet, but I was in college and I was a Title I technician. So if you've heard of a Title I school, it's a school that is in a lower socioeconomic population. I've read this book to my second graders when I taught my little ones even more. And honestly, the biggest reason is because it's really colorful and it's really short, which sometimes (laughs) as a mom, as much as I I talk about how I love story time, there's just time when I want to do it. I want to read with my kids, but I don't want to read a super long book. And you know, sometimes you're like at the library and they're like, I want this one and this one. And I flip through the page and I'm like, that one's Mm -hmm. too long. I'm not getting that one. It's not going to happen. But this one, it's a pretty quick read. It's called The Crayon Box That Talked by Shane D. Rolfe. It's this little girl and she comes in a toy store and she says, while walking in a toy store the day before today, I overheard a crayon box with many things to say. So you have all these very pompous looking crayons with their hands out at each other and being all punkish and sassy. Yellow says, I don't like red. And green says, nor do I. And no one here likes orange, but no one knows just why. We are a box of crayons that doesn't get along, said Blue to all the others. Something here is wrong. Well, the little girl says, I bought that box of crayons and took it home with me. So you can picture she takes this angry little box of crayons and laid out all the colors so the crayons could all see. They watched me as I colored with red and blue and green and black and white and orange and every color in between. They watched as green became the grass and blue became the sky. The yellow sun was shining bright on white clouds drifting by. Colors changing as they touched, becoming something new. They watched me as I colored. They watched till I was through. And when I'd finally finished, I began to walk away. And as I did, the crayon box had something more to say. I guess I'm reading the whole thing. (laughs) I do like red, said yellow. And green said, so do I. And blue, you are terrific, so high up in the sky. So they're all just looking at this beautiful picture she's made, using every single one of them in different parts of the picture. 
They say, we are a box of crayons, each one of us unique, but when we get together, the picture is complete. Isn't that cute? So cute. The so, colors are really pretty in the book. I've never even thought about this book for compassion and connection, honestly. Just always thought about like making friends and stuff, which does have to do with that. But today, as I read it just more slowly, kind of more reverently, it took on a completely different meaning to me today. In fact, I even saw the book because I was like, I need a book on compassion and connection. And right now all my books are in a storage unit while we wait to move into our new house. I just had to look through my mom's books. And I saw that one. I'm like, oh, I can't do that one because, you know, that's just a silly story. And I was like, wait. And I stopped and I read it. I thought so many of the words in it are so powerful. I thought about us today in our society that sometimes we really struggle to be connected in general and to have compassion with each other. I thought of how yellow says, I don't like red and green says, nor do I. And no one here likes orange, but no one knows just why. We are a box of crayons that doesn't get along. Something here is wrong. And I just thought about all the different people that feel marginalized or people that we ourselves marginalize at times that just don't feel like they fit in or belong or maybe there's people we don't like and we don't know even know why we don't like them but that that in the end what healed this cute little box of crayons is that they were cool with each other doing what they did best so yellow wasn't the sky yellow was the sun and the sky was blue that was blue's job this was one of my favorite quotes from the book says colors changing as they touched becoming something new and this is like me going really deep with the children's book but (laughs) that's how i roll when someone else touches your life and you learn about their experience you change first of all and it's hard to hate someone close up i always think of insurance companies because i hate talking to insurance companies on the phone The other person on the other line, I'm just like, oh, you idiot, you know, or whatever. (laughs) But it seems like whenever you don't like someone, when you get to know their circumstances a little bit better, usually you're like, oh, right. They're just a normal human being doing their job, doing their best. They're not evil most of the time. I talk about, oh, I haven't thought of this till right now. Okay, how I can tie this into other episodes, but (laughs) I'm so proud right now. Um, No, but my episode that's one of the most popular ones is episode five on black and white thinking. And I talk in it about how it's so easy to think in black and white, right? It's so easy to just see things as right and wrong, people as good or bad. But what it takes when you use compassion, when you try and connect with people, you start seeing things in color. You start seeing the complexities of people's lives and you start seeing that things aren't black and white. And while that can be scary because I think black and white thinking can make us feel safe, just being able to call people bad and ourselves good, I think it's a much more beautiful, fulfilling life. And I think you change as you meet new people and your perspective changes and can live a much more full, rich life. That's what I took from the book. (laughs) I like that. I like what you talk about with being more compassionate and nicer to things when you're up close to them, when the colors get close to each other. Kind of makes me think of, like, people that are so mean online. And yeah. just, I'm like, people would never say that to someone's face. It's so rude. Why would you say it ever when people are far away at this distance as if people aren't even real humans? Aren't They're just humans. Some, some other screen. So I like that when they get up close, that's when they really start to notice what's nice about the other person. Totally. You know, that's why on the podcast, it's cool when we talk to people like we talked to Jame, who, who's a recovering drug addict. If you met this guy, he's got five beautiful children. He's like an incredible wife. The feeling in their home is so good and he's just so humble. But if you just looked at some of his mistakes on paper, he would tell you that he'd judge himself. But people are people and most people, I think, are trying to do their best even though we all do stupid things sometimes. I do stupid things sometimes. It's easier just to be more compassionate and forgiving to those close to us. 
I don't know if you can relate to this, but when I was first married, so the reasons I fell in love with Rob are a lot of things about him that aren't like me. But when I was first married, and I feel like over the years, and I still struggle with this, he could probably tell you that, but I feel like I have times where I'm getting frustrated with him because I'm trying to change him to be like me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do things the way I would do them, or he doesn't say them the way I would say them, or you know what I mean? He doesn't communicate the way I would. It's like I'm trying to make him the same color as me. Like, I'm the red crayon, and he's the blue crayon, and I'm like, why can't you just be red? Like, red makes sense to me. I get red, red you know? Maybe I shouldn't use red and blue, because that's that color-coding quiz. Is that what you guys really are when you're color No, no. I think I'm... <laughs> At least last time I checked, I'm like Yellow. blue. No. Really? Oh, That's I'm so like crazy. blue red. Whoa. <laughs> I feel like everyone on student council has got to be yellow, right? Isn't that like the really outgoing yeah. Or they color? pretend to be or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm crazy outgoing. Crazy outgoing. But the blue is like all the feels side. I feel so deeply mm. and all this. And then the red is like the need to control everything. <laughs> Sorry, we're going off tangent. The book about color coding your personality is cool. But it says that the two colors that bump against each other the most are blue and red, I think, which is funny because I'm split. Uh, That's why I'm always in inner turmoil (laughs) because I'm like, oh, these people, I want to help them, but they're driving me nuts. I have like the little angry guy in my head from inside out. That's rough. It's lighting on fire. Yeah. (laughs) Got to be more compassionate with yourself, Julie. Yeah, Yeah, man. I needed that this week. (laughs) Going back to what I was going to say about Rob, he's blue and I'm red or whatever. And I'm like, why can't you just be red? But... The more I take a step back and realize I can't control him, and also I'd probably kill him if he were the same person as me, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us wouldn't be happy, I don't think, in a marriage with someone that was exactly like us. But the more that I let him be blue and me be red, it really does complement each other a lot. He's good at stuff that I'm not good at. I'm good at stuff that he's not good at. It's just really cool to watch him do his thing and what he's best at and not try him to turn him into me because we'd be miserable if we were each other because that's not who we are. It's true. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's good to compliment each other. Yeah. So connection, people. Connection. And just remember that no matter what color you are, when you get closer to someone, when you're touched by someone, you change and you change for the better and you see color instead of black and white. Thanks for being on the podcast. <laughs> you're welcome. And not being Enjoy. too cool for me anymore. Yeah, right. That was never the case. I mean,